Hello, everybody, and welcome to An American Breakthrough, a podcast from the United States Conference of Mayors. I'm your host, Greg Fisher, the mayor of Louisville and the president of the conference. Across America, vaccination rates are climbing steadily, and we're beginning to see a light at the end of the tunnel in our fight against the COVID-19 virus. But we know there's still work to be done. And here we are on March 30th with talk of a potentially a fourth surge of the virus coming our way. In any event, we know mayors are on the front lines of all these efforts addressing this crisis head on. And we've been working around the clock to ensure equitable vaccine distribution, boost confidence in COVID vaccines and engage with our residents. The conference has also been partnering with Bloomberg Philanthropies and Johns Hopkins to develop best practices for helping our residents understand the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines. So joining me today to talk about the race to vaccinate America is Washington DC Mayor Muriel Bowser and Richmond, Virginia Mayor LeVar Stoney. Mayors, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, thank Greg. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. All right, well, first, let's get kind of a perspective on what's happening in each of your cities and with your vaccination efforts. Mayor Bowser? Well, um, we are, uh, it's a Herculean effort. We are working very hard to make sure our residents um, know how to get pre-registered and are getting out and, and getting their vaccines. Um, we are on our second um, uh, system um, to allow us to uh, make appointments and work with our partners to have people vaccinated. And our demand far exceeds our supply uh, still um, at this stage. Um, we are going to meet the president's call to have all eligible um, adults uh, registered uh, to get their vaccine by May 1. Uh, but we'll still, we think, um, have a demand that's far outpacing our supply. Um, like um, many, most places, uh, we see um, we have um, disparity and uh, who and how fast um, each group is getting vaccinated in our city, which we're working very, very hard uh, to combat. And, and that's where we are. I'm challenging my team. I just finished a call with how we're tying vaccination rates um, with our reopening efforts uh, and really trying to see um, how that's impacting our forecast. So we're just asking people to go out, get vaccinated, stick to the public health guidance um, because we haven't crushed this virus yet. Not yet, I'm afraid. And your friend 100 miles down the road, Mayor Stoney in the great city of Richmond, Virginia, What's your story, Mayor Stoney? Well, you know, we are still in that long, dark tunnel, but we're starting to see some glimmers of hope and, and light. Um, that's because uh, roughly a quarter of, of the Russian population has already received at least one dose of the vaccine, which is a, a great thing. And, and half of that, roughly 12 and a half percent, uh, have received both vaccines, uh, so they're both they've been fully vaccinated, inoculated from this virus. Um, it's it's for us it's um, it's a long time coming. Uh, we've been trying to tell folks not to uh, ease off uh, off of their um, adhering to the guidelines uh, because you know the governor beginning on April one will start to. 
expand capacities in indoors and outdoors for gatherings. Um, we for a long time had a curfew that started at midnight, uh, but some of these are going to be being relaxed. And so I'm, I'm mindful of uh, what people are seeing on TV and CNN, MSNBC, all across the country and Texas and, and, and Georgia and other southern states are opening up, I think, too quickly. And I, I always remind the governor that um, there are a lot of frontline employees here in the city of Richmond, a lot of them from the black and our black and brown communities. And so be mindful uh, as quickly as, as when you open fast, who you put at risk. Uh, but we've done a really good job in certain in terms of mass vaccination sites, sharing it with the counties. We got the Richmond International Raceway. We got a big massive vaccination site. We got a, a site inside the city, uh, one of our community centers. We are doing, since mid-February, we've been on a steady increase in vaccinations per day, now at nearly 60,000 doses a day when you combine the work of the city and the county. So uh, it, we are on the way, hopefully, to herd immunity, but we still have a long, long way to go. Um, it, I, I've been a broken record about this, that no matter if you've received a vaccine or not, you still have to wear your mask, you still have to keep your distance, and you still have to wash your hands. No, we got to stay focused as we're close to the finish line. And to do that, we've got to make sure there's equitable distribution of the vaccine as well. I mean, we got kind of, as mayors, two things going on here. We want to get as many people as vaccinated as possible. We also want to make sure our black and brown communities are vaccinated equitably. You mentioned Richmond is 47% black. What type of equity issues are you seeing in Richmond with the vaccine? Yeah, when you, know, when you look at our numbers, our hospitalizations and our positive tests, overwhelmingly were people of color. Uh, and the people of color in the city of Richmond live in the, in the east quadrant of the city and also south Richmond as well. Now, south Richmond lies below the James River. And so we did not have any vaccination sites south of the James River. And we added a site now using uh, a partnership with, with our churches in Southside. And now it's at a, one of our high schools. So we're, we're finally getting to people who are south of the river. Uh, our, our bus system is giving free rides. Uh, we've been given free rides throughout the pandemic, but now you can schedule your uh, appointment for your vac vaccination. And uh, we have an on-demand service that will come and pick you up and take you to the uh, to the location. So we're making some headway. Uh, I think folks are having a little bit of FOMO. When I go to the barbershop and um, people start asking the question, are you getting the vaccine? You're getting the vaccine. Now I'm seeing more and more people say, I've gotten a vaccine or I'm, I'm scheduled to get the vaccine. And we're currently here in Virginia, what we call 1B, but people who are, are, are uh, younger than 65 all over are getting vaccinated because of, of the work of places like Walgreens and CVS now having the vaccine available to people as well. Everybody also remind us of the demographics of D.C. for our listeners and how you're addressing equity issues and access into black and brown communities. D.C. is about 47 percent African-American, 12 uh, percent Latino on the balance uh, white residents. And um, we have a I should say the white residents and a, a smaller percentage of Asian-American residents. Um, so we're very diverse. Uh, we're proud of our diversity. And uh, like uh, Mayor Stoney just mentioned, our cases, however, in 
very clearly our fatalities have been um, disproportionately impacting um, the African-American community where we have over 70% of our fatalities have been um, in the African-American community. So it uh, unfortunately, uh, this virus uh, laid bare uh, what we knew uh, before and what's really clear now is that health disparities have um, just plagued our city um, for decades, uh, strongly linked uh, you know, to our kind of our our history, the history of race in our country that we see played out uh, in in people's health and the health of African Americans. So, uh, we know we have our work cut out for us uh, in dealing with health disparities, uh, and this virus has really laid those disparities uh, and made them plain. It's also shown um, the the issues that we have and opportunities that we have post-COVID in closing the digital divide. Um, a lot of our distribution probably in your cities like ours has relied on the internet. Uh, how do you get thousands of people scheduled and prioritized when you have limited to supply? Um, and what we saw early on was it was the people who could get to the computers the fastest, uh, even though we have phone lines set up and a lot of different ways of, of, accessing, um, of accessing the vaccine. Uh, and so we've worked really hard uh, to try to level um, that technology gap um, and making sure that people could pre-register and that we could internally um, apply our priority zip codes, uh, priority medical conditions, and distributing um, the appointment. So we, we've seen that. Um, but if you kind of look just in, in simple terms, um, our city is divided in wards and ward three is a more white, more affluent, ward eight um, is more African-American, uh, less affluent. Uh, and it's a, it's a fact uh, that I share regularly that a, a white woman in Ward 8, her life expectancy is 86 years. A black man in, in Ward 8, his life expectancy is 67 years. It's a huge a gap, a lot of life that a person um, won't get to live. And we also saw um, that, that kind of gap when we saw uh, in our residents over the age of 65, I think we're at almost 70% of our Ward 3 more affluent, more white residents who are vaccinated. Um, and that number in the African-American community is somewhere um, around 40%. Um, so that it, that's the work um, that remains. Um, and it's, it's a big work and it impacts the whole community because if we don't get to a substantial number of our adults vaccinated, it, it affects our public health system for sure, but it also affects how we can reopen the city and bring the city back. Well, and this is very much a race against the variants right now. I mean, one of yes. the challenges is these variants are much more infectious, some of them are, and more deadly. You know, so how quickly we can vaccinate versus these variants is what we're all dealing with right now. And of course, that's the concern around the so-called fourth surge that we're happening and why we're looking at states that are re re relaxing their mask mandates and just saying, come on, man, what are you guys doing here? I mean, we're this close to the finish line. Let's not lose focus right now. So uh, the equitable distribution is a big part of that. In Louisville, we've seen that as a challenge in some of our 
lesser vaccinated areas, we're having more spread of the variants. And we've seen what's happened in Europe where we're in four, four weeks, you can go to having something under control to being out of control. So we're, we've got mobile clinics going out. We're partnering with our churches in our black parts of our city right now. And we're seeing a lot of receptivity to that. So a lot of creativity going on in this. And it's gonna be more available to us as supply increases. So what are you all thinking about as supply increases here? We're again around April 1st or so. So in two weeks, we're gonna probably have more vaccines than we know what to do with. I mean, we'll know what to do with them, but how are you preparing from going to demand constraint to demand loosening up? Mayor Stoney? Well, you know, we've been working alongside our uh, our health district and they've been uh, here in Virginia, it's maybe a little bit different than probably the district and maybe in the, the Commonwealth of Kentucky as well, where the, the state is responsible for health, um, but we work in, in partnership. I mean, there are allies, there are partners, and we've been working to prepare um, uh, for that. And in, in order to do that, we've been uh, getting more information out there, more education. A lot of this really, when we talk about equity is the education aspect. We can have the locations uh, in certain neighborhoods, uh, mass vaccination sites, but we are finding, we have in the darnest time just convincing people to get the vaccine. Now, if you look at the state uh, in general, overall, uh, we are seeing an increase in black and brown communities actually uh, getting vaccinated. However, uh, in, in white rural Virginia, you're seeing a drop off in vaccination rates. And I think we all know what the reasons are for that because of some of the misinformation out there. So what we're gonna do with uh, our um, uh, our health district is partner with them on a, a real education campaign. A lot of that started with me going out and actually getting the vaccine myself. And it was quite easy. I got it, I believe uh, a week and a half ago, I get a, a, a next shot next week. And I'm gonna do that in an area of the city where uh, it's a high, uh, population of uh, black and, and brown people. So uh, we're, we, we've got a, a number of mass vaccination sites that really just getting people in and out very, very quickly. But as we expand into not only private, but also CVS and Walgreens, it, it gets greater opportunity, but we're gonna actually focus on education and convincing folks this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And Mayor Bowser, you have an outstanding public health director in Washington, D.C. Thank you. Thank you. She'd be happy to hear you say that. <laughs> Please give her my regards. I will. All right. And so what kind of advice uh, is she given uh, to you relative to a lot more supply becoming available? Well, she's given me great advice and you would be very proud of the work that she's doing here, Greg. I mean, she's been outstanding uh, and she's really led her team um, to be outstanding as well. And we are also, um, one thing that Mayor Stoney didn't mention, um, all of the things that he said, I, I completely agree with on the public education and making sure we're giving people um, every bit of help we can in terms of rights. Um, I'm also asking my team to explore incentives. Um, everything from using our Medicaid dollars to incentivize um, healthcare workers and uh, nursing home employees or in the employers, the providers themselves to make sure that their people are vaccinated. So we're exploring that as an option. Um, we're also exploring where we're gonna end up with mandates um, to be uh, looking um, to the end of the summer and into the fall. 
I was very encouraged to see Rutgers University, for example, um, mandate uh, that their students are vaccinated when they come back to school in the fall. Um, that's a conversation I want to have uh, with our higher ed community as well. Uh, we're talking about thousands of kids to come back and we want them to come back. We want those universities to be open. Uh, we want that uh, staff uh, to come back. So I think that we have to have a conversation about um, about mandates uh, for va vaccines. Uh, and we'll have that conversation among our own workers in, in DC government um, as well. So I think that's one thing that's, that's still out there. Another kind of incentive-based uh, thing that I really hoped we would have some national leadership on, uh, and maybe the conference, maybe the mayors can get together on this, Greg, is this vaccine passport. Yeah. Um, I think increasingly that uh, you'll need a vaccine to access some activities over others. And uh, we need to work on a technology or something that's easy to use uh, to help employers, to help uh, venue operators um, figure out uh, and encourage people to get vaccinated. Exactly. And, and Mayor so, Fisher, can I, can I add to what Mayor Bowser said and we, you know, she's absolutely right. We're going to have to get in the, into the business of incentivizing um, people to get the vaccine. And one thing that we are uh, exploring is how do we incentivize our employees, our, the, the, the city workers to get the vaccine. There are some companies in town who've already begun work and offering a sort of a, a health bonus as part of their health care plans, whether it's Cigna or Anthem. And we're looking at the same sort of approach to our city employees. Uh, which are um, overwhelmingly black and brown people as well, to go out and get the vaccine, but also how do we get their families vaccinated too, not just the employees. So it's something that we're, we're looking at through our uh, human resource department uh, and our healthcare provider as well, because um, uh, we, we think that our employees can serve as a model for others in their communities as well. And a number, a number of them live right here in the great city of Richmond. Well, and funding is required for that. So as mayors, we were thankful a couple of weeks ago when the American Rescue Plan passed with $360 billion in direct financial relief for state and local government. What does your all's funding mean for your cities and your residents relative to stamping out this virus and getting your economy going again? Mayor Bowser? Uh, it's huge, uh, and we uh, greatly appreciate it. I want to acknowledge the work that you've done, Greg, on making sure cities um, were included. Uh, we were rightly funded um, in this in the American Rescue Plan for our city, county, and state functions. So I couldn't be happier um, with President Joe Biden and the Congress for what they did to to help us um, get um, get to this place. So we were really um, we feel good about it. Now, one thing that we're following is that they have directly funded some um, federally qualified health clinics and the like. So I'm trying to figure out now how I can use my offices, my health department uh, to make sure that those clinics that are closer to people in neighborhoods are um, also as aggressive about public education and getting people vaccinated as they can be. Yeah, there's a real opening here for us to make some progress on social determinants of health that we've all talked about for a real long Absolutely. time. Absolutely. But people now are kind of starting to get it because of the spotlight that's been 
put on um, traditionally underinvested communities. So, mm-hmm. Mayor Stoney, what are you looking to uh, do with the American Rescue Plan funds for yourself? Well, you know, we're thankful to the Biden administration and our, our friends in Congress and uh, getting the package approved. And now we're looking forward to receiving the dollars right here in the city. And what I like about this plan compared to some of the CARES Act dollars is that, you know, there was a 500000 a population threshold for those dollars who were received directly by uh, the locality, by the city. Um, this time we get the monies uh, directly and we get the flexibility as well on how we go about spending some of these dollars too. And, and also a longer runway than we had with the initial CARES Act too. Um, so that flexibility is gonna allow us to actually work on our recovery. Uh, I'm sure in your city, I'm sure in Mayor Bowser city, you guys are probably also in a financial crunch. We've been very, very fortunate here in the city of Richmond, we didn't have to lay off any employees uh, during the height of the pandemic. Um, But we definitely put ourselves on a, you can say a position freeze. uh, And then we also uh, decided the programs that I had had funded in my previous budget announced uh, right before the start of the pandemic, uh, we never were able to fund. Well, there's, you know, uh, some of those, uh, social programs uh, like a doula fund and uh, programs like the eviction diversion program we have in the city and more monies for the affordable house trust affordable housing trust fund uh, we did not fund them to to the max this time around but uh, with the uh, ARP dollars coming in we're looking at how we use this to to focus on uh, economic justice and social justice in general uh, and uh, there are a number of programs that the city's responsible for. Uh, whether in the housing space or in the health space that we're taking a look at, but we're, we're going to have to do that alongside our friends on city council to make this happen. I think when people see a big, um, a bevy of money uh, coming into your cities, everybody wants to start spending it before it even arrives. And uh, I know that that's what we're facing right now as we're in the midst of this budget season. Season, And I'm telling my, my friends on city council to, to take a step back. Let's get through the budget process first and where there might be some gaps, let's use these ARP dollars to kind of fill in the gap. Exactly. Well, let's close out with a reflection on the past year. Uh, this past year has been one unlike any of us ever anticipated uh, with challenges coming from all kinds of directions, whether it be the health crisis, uh, the opportunities in our marches for justice in our city, the recession, the change in presidencies, presidencies, gun violence is on the increase in many cities. Lots happened. So how do you all keep hope alive during this time, Mayor Bowser? Well, I think we have a lot to be hopeful about. Um, and I feel actually really energized by um, the opportunities that COVID has um required of us to think differently. How do you bring back your economy? Like, I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's not boring to have a great economy like we had before COVID, um, but it's certainly interesting um, to think about how we're going to bring workers back to our downtown, uh, how we can rethink public space, which is what um, we're in the midst of. Uh, how are we going to re-engage female workers? So, you know, so many women are have 
uh, dropped out of the workplace, have been forced out because of other duties. And um, so all of these things are what excites me about being uh, in local government and having the opportunity uh, to, to lead now. So um, while we're still, I tell my team, we're still, we were in the emergency mode. Now we're in the relief mode in, in, in the recovery mode at the same time. And I, I just think it's, it's, it's all incredibly, um, you know, interesting uh, to, to, be, uh, to be a mayor. You know, if you're in public service and you want to help people out, man, what an awesome time this is yeah. right now. I yeah. mean, the, the glasses, I mean, we had to go through some troubles to get here. Right, yes. but right now, <laughs> it's like, okay, how do we build back? Build yes. back better together is what we yes. call it here in our city. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mayor Stoney, give us the final word. Where's the hope, brother? Well, you know, uh, I would have never thought, never guessed that I would be the mayor during a 100-year pandemic and a, a, an economic downturn like no other, but here we are. And I get my spirit and my energy from the residents I get to encounter with regularly who, who tell me to keep my head up and that we're going to get through this. And that, that's the sort of motivation that kind of drives me each and every day. And I think about our recovery, uh, you know, I, I can't be mayor forever. I got four more years. And, and part of our reco the recovery will likely take the entire decade, but I at least get to start and set the path for what 2030 looks like, what 2031 looks like. And if I can look back at it and uh, the disparities between uh, people of color in the city of Richmond and, and, and our white residents, if we can have closed those gaps, I can look back 10 years and say that we closed those gaps, uh, then I think that, boy, that, that's a challenge that we met. We met the moment. And so I, I think Muriel will agree that we get into this work because of the challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, she's exact, she's absolutely right. We would all love to have the the, the three, three and a half percent unemployment rate that we had right before uh, the pandemic and all that and cranes in the sky like they have in Washington, D.C. Uh, that we want here in the city of Richmond. We all want that. But these are the times that I think make cities and make make great people as well. So sometimes you have to rise to the occasion. My people in my city have and I plan to follow their lead. Well, that's great. Well, I know the challenges that we've all faced it expanded our consciousnesses in ways that we didn't know were possible and they prepared us to do even more good. And at the end of the day, that's the role of a mayor to use the city as a platform for human potential to thrive. And mayors, we're at this place right now. I thank you for joining us on our podcast and ask our listeners to be sure to stay tuned in for the next episode of An American Breakthrough.